0: Uh, Good morning, Uh, my name is Jason, I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Church, and um, it is good to be here this morning, and great to sing with you guys this morning, what a blessing that was. Um, Yeah, kids can be dismissed, did I say that already or no? Yeah, kids, have fun back there, my wife's back there, so Tracy, have fun as well. Um, John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, that's Jesus, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us abundant life. Not health and wealth life, but abundant life. I read a study this week, a stat that said this right here, that people who are not have no religion at all, when they're asked that they are happy, 25% say yes they are happy. That is no religion at all. No Jesus, no religion, no hope. For people that are Christian, that are very religious, very Christian, asked if they were happy, 34% said they were not, said they were happy. 34% of people who sing songs like it is well with my soul, not in part but the whole. 34% of those people said they're happy. Which means 65%, 65% of very religious Christians a year ago said they were not happy. That's not even the word joyful, that's just happy. And, and the question I'm going to just kind of ask us starting off today, are you happy? Is theres there... Is there unmistakable joy in your life if you're a Christian if we asked your kids or your neighbors or even the worst your co-workers is this person happy and full of joy in their life I don't mean you're not tired I don't mean that I don't mean life's not hard but are you happy and full of joy because there's a tension right So if we are basically like the rest of the world when it comes to saying we're happy and full of joy, then what is the point of all of this? If the point is just religious activity, right, then we should get a better hobby than setting up chairs and curtains and going through all this, right? If it truly is not changing us, and there are people in this room right now, I believe, who are not Christians, who are just shaking their heads saying, yes, I know. That's why I'm just here and I'm apathetic and I don't care because I see no change, no joy, no happiness in the life of Christians. And part of the reason for this Sabbath season that we have is for us to pause, to sit and just really sit with God. Because we talk about going out to the world, going to your neighborhood and being on mission. But friends, if we are not happy, joyful Christians, then what are we doing? What are we declaring if our lives are full of anxiety and misery and no different than the rest of the world? Psalms 1. We're going to be in Psalms 1 today, in case you don't know. You don't know, so we're going to be in Psalms (laughs) 1. Let's read it together. Let's stand, please, as we read read God's Word. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in this congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You can be seated. You can write this. Here's our main thought for the day. Abundant life is found in delighting and meditating on God's instruction and story. Now, that's not worded very well, but that's what it is. Abundant life is found. Not um, good life, not happy life, not healthy life, but abundant life. Before we jump into Psalms 1 in this text, I want to kind of play some context here. So we all know the book of Psalms, 150 chapters in this. Uh, It's primarily a song book and a prayer book. Songs of praise and lament to God and these private, like, really honest prayers and devotions to God. So why Psalms 1 is kind of almost like a proverb, right? It's something like a proverb, a, a psalm of instruction. Well, why does that start this book? Here's why. It's because the blessed man. It's the blessed man, which really just means the happy man. It's the happy man who goes forward in the rest of the book of Psalms and lives this life of praise. It's this happy man that in such deep intimacy can speak really hard truths to God. It's this happy, secure man that leads us to the rest of Psalms. And so in this passage, we have very two distinct pictures, right? We have the blessed man and we have the wicked man. Very two distinct things. And for us today, I want to think of the wicked, the wicked life. Because you're going to say, I'm not wicked, Jason, I pay my taxes, I'm kind of nice to my neighbor, I go to work. Let's put it this way, the shallow life. If we take Jesus' words of the abundant life, the thing that, I'm, that I pray for for us in our church and for myself is that we don't live a shallow life as followers. But we live an abundant life. So we see two ways. We see the way of the abundant life and the way of the shallow life. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the, seat of, in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Say another way, the wicked man walks in the counsel of the wicked. The wicked man stands in the way of sinners. The wicked man sits in the seat of scoffers. See, the shallow life, it focuses on the instruction and the story of the many. The shallow life is fully consumed and their eyes are turned to the voice of the many. Because there's two pictures here in this verse that we see. And here's the first picture. You notice it's blessed is the man, singular, correct? There's one man he's talking about. There's one man. But he is walking with the wicked, plural. He is standing with the sinners, plural. Sitting with the scoffers, plural. The psalmist wants to see this right here, that walking in the ways of God feels sometimes like you're alone because the rest of the world, all these voices, the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers are all around you. It's the words of Jesus, right? His way is narrow, right? And so we're walking in the blessed, happy life. There is this sense that we are counter and different and away from the rest of what seems like normal society. That we are, in a sense, alien citizens, correct? Because the rest of the world is saying and living and saying, live life this way, do things this way. But the blessed man, by himself, is walking a different path. So there's all these voices But there's also a progression here, right? There's walking, there's standing, and there's sitting. It's this picture the psalmist wants us to see of all these voices. And we, as the, the, the blessed people of God, are walking this path, this narrow path. And sometimes in this path, this is true for me and true for you, and we walk along, correct? And we see the voices of the wicked. We're walking. And here's what gets bad, right? Sometimes we begin to creep, right? We begin to creep and listen a little, a little deeper. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, that's right. That is kind of silly the way we do this over here. And you start listening. And then finally, you start standing in the way of the wicked. You start actually participating in sin, Now you're saying, here's what happens, this is what we all do in this room, is we will commit sins, but say those sins are wrong. See, we're not bad, we're not the world who says sin is okay. We're not like those people, we're just doing this, we're just standing in this right now. We know it's wrong, but we're not like fully giving ourselves over, and here's the issue. We start kind of walking in this, kind of, you know, admiring this sin, and then slowly, we be in a stand in this sin and do this sin even though we know it's wrong. And then finally, this process, this progression, we sit in the seat of the scoffer where our sin no longer is wrong. You can no longer call me out on my sin. That is not okay for you to do. We see the same thing in James. James 1 verse 14. Each person is tempted when he is lured. And enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This progression of sin. In the Bible belts, I think a mocker looks a little different. A mocker looks more like a Pharisee. Where a mocker knows all the right answers. The mocker in the Bible belt is fully okay in their own sin, but calls out your sin, correct? That's every, at some level, sometimes, every person in this room. Well, we're okay in our own sin, but your sin over there is not okay. And this is any direction you want to go, whether it's sexual sin, political beliefs, the way you spend money, whatever your thing is that you're okay with or good at, You're very proud of it, but you'll mock others for the sins you're still committing. And here is the truth. Some of us are here today and we're completely just apathetic to the things of God. And I will tell you, I prayed for you this week. I prayed for us this week that as we become scoffers on some level, as our heart is given into some things and we're fully sitting in some sin and we're apathetic, I just want to tell you there is good news for you today. That confession and repentance and walking with Jesus is there for you today. You are not beyond any level of where you have sinned or sat in your sin. There is hope and there is good news for you today. But I'll also tell you this, we act surprised when we fully walk in the way of the wicked and at some point, we have no affection for the things of God. That is not an accident. That's the path we walk down. Does that make sense? That we walk this path, the same path of the wicked, and we expect to have the heart of the blessed. It does not work that way. And some of us are here today, and we're in misery because we're walking the path of the wicked. And, you're, and you're, my hope for you is repentance today, is repentance and the good news of Jesus. Let's keep going. I was told to be short today, like 30 minutes, so, um, but no promises. Um, so here are some marks to help you see if you're living a shallow life. If things of the world are more appealing to you than things of God, that's a good marker of the shallow life for you. If the things of the wicked, of the world, of the scoffer, are more appealing to you, then you're probably walking down a different path. So the psalmist here paints a bleak picture of the results of the way of the wicked, of this way of the shallow life. The shallow life is very fragile. Listen, the, 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 the sinners and the wicked... And the scoffers, they promise everything. The way of the world, the enemy promises so much in his ways, but it is fragile. Let's keep going. Look at verse 4. The wicked are not so, this suppose the blessed, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. The appeal of the masses and the instruction, the story of the wicked are so appealing, but they provide nothing for us. So we went to the beach a few weeks ago. And I was trying to think how to think through, you know, I'm not a big um, uh, agrarian kind of guy. And so um, what does this look like, the the chaff that the wind drives away? And so we were at the beach, and uh, my sister came with us to help, help with the kids. And uh, we're there on the beach, and I think the boys are in the ocean, and Hattie Jane is just a digging in the sand, just a going at it. And it's great, but the wind is blowing. And if she would just barely like pull the sand up, it would blow because, of course, it's sand, correct? And so what I had to do is sit in front of my sister and just dig and throw the sand up so it would get, get on her the entire time and drive, drive her crazy. That's just who I am. But it hit me, like this idea of the sand, right? Think of just you've been to the beach at all, some of this you have this summer. The, the sand at the beach is like nothing, isn't it? Like just any kind of wind at all, it's going everywhere, correct? in the same way, Living your life, walking in the ways of the wicked is like the sand. It's like the chaff. It just blows away. It has absolutely no foundation. Hear this today. Living your life to buy the next thing, whether it's a house, whether it's a car, whether it's a device. I hope you know this. It is like chaff that the wind will blow away. Friends, hear this. Your political beliefs and stances and thoughts and candidates are like chaff that the wind will blow away. Here's how I know this. Because eight years ago, some people were really, really happy and some were very, very mad. And it's just flipped now, right? Because politics is like chaff that the wind blows away. So I'm a big sports fan. I really am. But it hits me every year after the season that guess what? There's a new season next year. So you win this championship, right? And then like, well, they're playing again next year. So I guess it doesn't matter, right? It's just folly, correct? It's just folly. Listen, I'll tell you this. For us in the Bible belt, theological and, and, and doctrinal assent is like chaff that the wind drives away. Here's what I mean. Just saying that you know the things of God is like chaff that the wind drives away, that blows away. There is no foundation in just saying you know these things and believe these things. That's the lie of the American Bible Belt Church, that if we just say that we agree to these things, that we are good. That's a club, not the church of Jesus Christ, and it'll be blown away like chaff. Covenant Church The organization, all stuff we do as a 501c3 is like chaff that the wind drives away. There is only one thing, one thing in this world that will not be blown away and that is Jesus Christ and his church. And for us as people, as people who say that we're followers of him, we have to put away the things Get away from the sinners, the wicked, the scoffers, the ways of this religious world. Not just the secular world, but the religious world. We have to walk away from those things and walk in the way of the blessed man, in the ways of Jesus. A life built on anything outside of God has no hope to last. A life built on anything outside of God has no hope to last. None. And here's what I'll tell you. Suffering and trials always reveal what you truly believe in. Suffering reveals the chaff. It reveals it. It reveals that we're believing in something else. You know, if if the Bible and this passage just ended there, that'd be kind of not fun, wouldn't it? But here's the good news, it doesn't. In this chapter and, of course, in all of Scripture, we're given the hope. We're given the way. It's the way to abundant life. Look at verse 2. So we see the path of the wicked, correct? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Isn't that beautiful? It's like what I want in my life that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Friends, hear this. The blessed man, his leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. And all that he does, he prospers. So there's three words that I want us to kind of really understand. First is delight, then it's law, then it's meditate. His delight, his delight is the law of the Lord. Very Clearly, his, what makes him happy, what makes him smile is the law of the Lord. What makes me smile and happy is my kids going to bed, right? You know, an hour or two, just me and my wife, That is that makes me happy, right? What makes you happy? Those aren't bad. Those are good and right things. It's good to enjoy my wife and time with her. That's a good and the right thing. His delight, which means what makes him happy, is the law of the Lord. And as we said, starting off, many times, happiness does not describe our relationship with God and his law. Right? Many times it doesn't describe that right there. Because delight, delight is a heart posture, isn't it? Like, you, you don't just, like, decide to delight in something. Your heart has to be moved to delight. Look at Ephesians 2. It says here, the words of Paul, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. It doesn't say you're broken, it doesn't say you're kind of messed up, need a band-aid. It says you were dead. You were dead. Like you you couldn't do anything. Your heart literally could not delight. Let's keep going. And once you in which you once walked, following the course of this world, the way of the wicked, correct? Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And here's the good news for every person here. But God, being rich in mercy, because the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead, even when we did not delight, and our trespasses he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved through faith so we can't delight apart from putting our faith in who makes our heart happy correct like you can't make yourself delight delight starts with putting faith in Jesus putting faith in him brings delight to our hearts So like we're singing songs a few minutes ago and I'm thinking about my sermon and then we start singing it as well and I start weeping, right? I I start literally, oh no, I can't be weeping going on stage. It's not a good look. And I start weeping, singing the line of this song, my sin not in part but the whole. My sin not in part but the whole because more than you know, I'm aware of my trespasses, right? Right? of my death apart from him. But, but God, being rich in mercy, loved me even when I was dead in my trespasses. And friends, through the power of his Holy Spirit making me alive, I can now delight in him. And I do. I do delight in him. But here is the issue. You, you all know this. We don't delight for forever, do we? We don't have this indefinite delighting in God, do we? and that's where meditate comes in. But first, before meditate, what is this word law? This word law mean. He says that he is that his happiness is in the law of God. He delights in the law of God. That seems so foreign to us because hey, we are new covenant people, right? We are saved by grace, not by the law. So how can the law make us happy? Well, here's a few ways. First, this word law literally means the Torah. And the Torah, of course, includes the instructions of God, of how to worship him, of how to follow him, of what not to do. Of course, that is a part of the law. And that is beautiful, and that is right, and that is helpful. But also, this word law, it means story. Because in the Torah, there is the story of the Exodus, right? The story of God delivering his people out of slavery. In the Torah, there is the story of God providing for his people when they had nothing to eat and they had no hope. It's the story of God protecting his people up against mighty, mighty nations. So this word law is this picture of the instructions of God, yes, but also the story of God. And that's on this instruction and on this story that he calls us to delight in, right? The instructions of God are something to delight in. His ways should make our heart happy. But also, his story brings us hope, brings us life, and makes us happy. So this picture of law is the story and the instruction of God. I think a lot of us here We have bought into, and it's why we are sometimes, like chaff, the wind blows away. It's because we have bought into the story and the instructions of the world and the wicked. The story that you're your own God, that you can make yourself happy, and the instruction by doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. And friends, can't we all say that we have seen that that way, the way of the wicked, the way of the enemy... Is like chaff that the wind blows away. Can we all say that today? That's my life. I know it is. I know it's your life as well. So we said earlier that we know that we don't just like decide or we don't delight like now and it just goes on forever, right? That is why there's meditation. Let's keep going. It says, He meditates on his law day and night. Meditating day and night on God's instruction and story. So meditation here is not simply just like thinking hard about this, right? This is hard because we don't meditate a lot in our culture. But actually, this word meditation, this idea of meditation, is um, it's like this verbalized rumination. It's almost like this really soft muttering day and night on the story and the instruction of God and his ways, right? It's this meditating, this almost like mumbling and muttering softly, day and night. What it really is, it is setting your mind and your heart on the things of God, day and night. Meditation leads to delight, and delight leads to meditation. So, It can be hard for us to understand this idea of meditation. I get that. But here's how I think we can see how we actually meditate in our day-to-day. Let me ask you this. So whenever you get bored, you got a free moment, what does your mind and attention turn to? What do you do? Whenever you have a day to yourself, what do you turn to? That is most likely what you're meditating on. When you go to bed at night, what is the last thing you're thinking about that you're hoping for? What are you most fearful of? those things reveal what we're actually meditating on and reveals what we actually delight in. What are those things? So, what are the results of this abundant life? We saw the results of the wicked, right? It's like chaff that the wind blows away. What are the results of the abundant life? Verse 3. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water. That yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. See, the psalmist here once again subtly reminds you of what leads the true life. Remember that image? He's like a tree planted by streams of water. And it brings to mind the sound of the streams, right? It's this soft, like beautiful sound, which draws us back to that idea of meditation, and the soft muttering that goes on is the same as that soft sound of the streams of water. So it's in that meditation. It's that meditation in which the abundant life thrives. Because it's in that meditation that, that over and over and over again, day and night, setting our heart and mind on God's instruction and his story, that we are constantly renewed and refilled and we bear fruit and we prosper This jumps right into John 15, the words of Jesus, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. But as we abide in him, we can bear fruit. As we set our mind on things above, on his story and his ways, it's as we do that that we live this thriving life, this abundant, happy, joyful, blessed life. As we meditate on what he has done and what he commanded us to do, it leads to this constant replenishing over and over and over again. But it doesn't just thrive. I think what the world needs to see more than anything in the world. Remember when uh, Billy Graham passed away a year or two? I don't know anymore, but a, a while back he passed away. And there was so many great stories and pieces on this great man, Right? Here's what it came down to. Billy Graham was a man who was happy in God and survived faithful, right? And we live in a world nowadays which is just so quick and so fast and so loud and so up and down. What the world desperately needs is this right here. Very simple, very humble, very happy, very lasting Christians. So the abundant life, it thrives. It thrives through this constant meditation on what God has done, right? but it also survives. Listen, it says its leaf does not wither. Through storms, through all kinds of things, it survives. In comparison, the life of the wicked, where it's like chaff that the wind just blows away. The abundant life survives, because friends, it is coming. I love you. It's coming for me as well. Struggles, sickness, heartaches, hurts, concerns, All that in a fallen world is coming. But just as suffering reveals the chaff, right, suffering also reveals the tree and the roots of that tree. Because when the world sees a Christian walking in real suffering that has deep roots through meditation on God's ways and God's instruction, and he sees that leaf does not wither, the world takes notice. The world takes notice of a happy and surviving Christian. Suffering reveals the roots of the tree. Here's the good news. Abundant life is found in delighting and meditating on God's instruction and God's story. But the beauty for us is that the reality of God's instructions and God's story is much greater for us than it was for the readers of the Psalms originally, right? Because we have Jesus, and in Jesus, we have an even better way. Even greater than the law, we have the Sermon on the Mount that goes even further. Our way is to love our enemies. Our way is to be okay with suffering. Our way is to turn the other cheek. But also our story. The Exodus is a beautiful story, but it is even more realized in Jesus. That you and me were hopeless apart from Christ. And Jesus came and he perfectly obeyed and fulfilled the law. And so in our story, our role is to put our hope, our faith, our trust in him. And it's in that story that we delight in him. You know, we see this in the early church in Acts, don't we? We see a group of people who lived this life who even through, through all kinds of trials and sufferings, their leaf did not wither. We see this in and Stephen, right, who's being stoned and preaching the things of God. We see this in Apostle Paul, don't we? We see this happy man in God, and we also see a life that survives for the long haul. That's found in Christ Jesus. So here's my encouragement for us today. First thing, watch out for the voices of the world. What are we giving our time and life to? And, you know, there's the obvious things, of the stuff we can stay away from, you know, like pornography or this, and that's all right. And of course, stay away from those things. But I'm more concerned about the subtle things, the religious things, the things that make us prideful, right? What voices are you listening to? Next question. Are you happy in God? Like really ask yourself, I don't mean it's life a struggle, my life's a struggle, it is. Are you happy in God? And hear this today, if your soul is not happy in God and it's tired and it's weary and it's apathetic, hear this today, there's good news for you today. Repent, run away from your sin, run away from yourself and run to Jesus who is the blessed man, who is the way. Run to him today. Today. Maybe you've never truly delighted in him. Today is the day of repentance. Turn away from your sin. Surrender yourself and put your faith and your trust in the only thing that does not wither, and that is Jesus Christ. And so today, maybe you're here and you say, Jason, I do delight, but many times I wane. I delight like this morning, Beautiful songs about God, reading scripture, my affections are stirred. But tomorrow at work, it is gone. Here is my um, exhortation. Set your minds on the instruction and the story. Set your mind on the ways of Jesus and the story of God. I heard uh, it was Melissa Davis, who's a teacher and admin up here at uh, PCA. She said the story of God is basically this. God made it, we broke it. Jesus fixed it. Don't get upset for me saying that, but that's, that's a really great way of seeing this story of God. He made things perfect. You mess it up, I messed it up, and Jesus is fixing it. That's a good news story for us. Meditate on his ways and his instruction. And here's kind of, I think, five ways I have for you to kind of meditate on these things, set your mind on these things. The first, daily Bible reading. I, I am giving you how I meditate and fight for delight. This is how Jason would do. it. It's not perfect, but it's how I do it. Read the Bible every day. That may sound obvious, but we'd be shocked, I think, at the number of people that don't read their Bible daily. And here's the deal. Uh, you're going to miss uh, one, two, three, four days this week trying to read your Bible. That's going to happen. But here is the good news. There's tomorrow. Read your Bible the next day. The great illustration, right, if you don't eat one meal, you don't skip the next 10 meals, do you? Just eat again the next day. And so, read your Bible every single day. Because in your Bible is where you get hope. It's where you get the ways of Jesus. It's where you see the story of God played out. It's in the Bible. Read your Bible every single day. Second thing, meditate on the Word throughout the day. Here's how I encourage you to do this. As you're reading God's Word, whether it's 10 verses, 5 verses, 5 chapters, I would encourage you, as you're reading God's Word, pray that God reveals one thing in His Word that jumps out at you. Write that thing down. It could be a word, it could be a verse, it could be a phrase, whatever it is, write that thing down. And throughout the rest of your day, meditate on that thing, on God's word. Next thing, pray God's word throughout the day. I would set an alarm for in the morning, for lunchtime, in the evening to pray. Just pray the Lord's prayer. Go to Matthew 6, pray the Lord's prayer. Friends, I love you. This is not hard. It's hard. This is not complicated, it's very hard. Pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. The Lord's Prayer is as rich as it gets. Next thing, memorize God's Word every day. Do a verse a week, a, a chapter a week, a, a phrase a week, a phrase a day. However you're wired, memorize God's Word. Remember this picture of meditation we got from the psalmist, this idea of muttering day and night As we memorize God's word and recite God's word, we are literally meditating on the words of God. And last thing, at least one day a week, go deep into study of God's word. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have a cheat here. Um, As a pastor, I I basically teach or preach almost every single week on some level. And I will just tell you, it's it's a beautiful thing to just dig in and try to just understand God's word. I would encourage you once a week on your Sabbath time, take 30 minutes, take an hour, take a chapter and outline that chapter as if you're going to preach it. I'm not going to make you preach it, don't worry. But there is this beautiful thing about preparing, like you're going to tell somebody about it. I know the horrors of you know, sharing the word of God, we'll get to that later. But like preparing to share God's word, right? God does something in our hearts as we truly deep in deep study try to understand and deliver God's word. That's five simple things. Kind of hard things. But, but here's, and we are all busy in this room. I understand that. But I will tell you, uh, the trial is coming. The storm is coming. That's going to reveal the roots of your faith. And the roots of your faith are cultivated at 6 in the morning or at 9 at night or on the lunch break. And there's nothing better to give your life to. Nothing better at all. Imagine a world where, imagine a city where Christians are happy and not religious. Imagine a workplace like that, where the Christian wasn't just the guy who knew it all, who did, you know, pastor things on Facebook, who said weird things. They were just truly full of joy. We've met those Christians, haven't we? And they have deeply impacted our lives. I mean, y'all's dad was that person in my life. Not a lot of models of this for us out there, right? But those people that are just really happy in God, the blessed man that thrives and survives for the long haul, friends, that is a witness. That is how we go out on mission. Not with, like, you know, this religious thing to come do this. I'm really tired. I don't like it, but I guess come with me. <laughs> That's the gospel we're selling, right? Because we're not delighting and meditating on God's, on God's ways. So imagine that world. So no matter where you are today, um, I would encourage you, if there is not delight in your heart, repent today. Repent today. Repent, repent, repent. And let his grace wash you anew and cultivate the delight in your heart. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, uh, you are good to us. Um, you have blessed us with everything through Jesus. And not just material blessings or good health, but you have blessed us with eternal life. And we have great hope in you through that. Lord, I ask you right now to speak to those whose heart is just away from you. Maybe uh, their heart is still a heart of stone and they have not truly put their faith in you and have surrendered themselves to you, Father. I ask that in this moment you would speak to them, Lord. For those that um, have put their hope in you but are just walking away or apathetic, let them see and walk in the gift of repentance, Father. And Father, let us as a people commit together to set our mind on your ways and your story. Let that be the practice of our lives. You're so good to us, Lord. Uh, We love you. Let our response today be worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.